0: You know what, you don't really have to be smart to get what you want, but you have to be bold, yeah. and you have to make the ask, and you've got to put yourself out there, even if you don't succeed, right? And so from that moment on, as a young girl, I learned a very that valuable lesson of, you know, not overthinking, not listening to people who are naysayers, and just going after it, for good or for bad. Part of a lot of people's success that actually have had longevity in their in their career or in their life is that they had to fail they got comfortable with failing and you know I don't know about you but I have literally a master's in failing but I have a PhD in getting right back up again you
1: just described success in one of the most simple but profound sentences of all time all right my friends I'm very excited to bring a conversation to you with a super entrepreneur one of the I think grittiest hustlers I've had the pleasure of meeting in this space of content providers that I get to hang out with. She is Jen Cohen, and uh, she's done some amazing, amazing things. has a great story of just being curious and then trying stuff, which has really become a lost art. I think you're going to love this. Her new book is entitled Bigger, Better, Bolder. Here is my conversation with Jen Cohen. All right, Jen, so I want to know, were you a kid who was always driven? And 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 if not, when do you remember first kind of going, I I I want something out of this life?
0: I think that that's funny. I think that I was always extremely curious. Mm-hmm. I think curiosity was really my superpower yeah. that kind of led me along a lot of different pathways. It opened up so much communication for me, opportunity, connection. And I think that that was really what kind of catapulted and and really kind of drove me along lots of different areas. And if I were to say anything to anybody, I think that people should cultivate that curiosity muscle because it, it really does allow you to not just learn what you like, but also teaches you what you don't like, and that that can really help drive and lead you to success and live a life that's much more authentic because it's a lot of it's trial and error. Right. And so for me, that was really something that I think my parents would definitely say that I was very curious. I would ask people always very personal questions that were completely like none of my business. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I think because I was doing it so like earnestly, I got away with it, but
1: right. Well, it's also interesting that, you know, you're young and it's kind of attractive when a young person Ask questions like that because it is a little, in some ways, a positive off-putting. Because you're like, "Wow, she's just bringing the heat," and then they want to answer it.
0: A hundred percent. Like I would ask people, like at a very young age, like when I was like nine or nine years old, I'd be like, "So, how much money do you make? And sure. how do you make your money? You know, how much was your house? How much did you pay for your house?" Like it was like really offbeaten questions for a girl who was like nine years old, right? But I, I generally just wanted to know. Like I had no filter. By the way, I still don't. I've I've like I've been able to kind of monitor it a, a little bit better now. But really, I think that really was how I, I always naturally had that in me. Yeah. And over the years, I just built it into being, you know, I, I, I use that to build my boldness. Um, yeah, I think well, that was like actually, that kernel.
1: I've never even thought of it this way until you started talking about curiosity because I was the same way. I was the same way in a lot of successful people that are drivers. I think that curiosity is the foundation of hustle. Mm-hmm. Isn't that true? It's like it kind of pulls you into it. You don't even realize you're hustling.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, the word hustle now is a little bit over done. And, and, you know, like when I started the podcast years ago, it wasn't as... I guess hashtaggy and 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 popular, but I will say that hustle to me really just means like grit, drive, per- pursuing, right? Yes. And you do need to have a foundation to even get there, right? And I do think that curiosity is that for me and a lot of people. I think that. You also, I think when you are an entrepreneur and you are trying to create something, there's a lot of resilience that needs to be done with that, right? And resourcefulness and you fall a lot, you kind of have to get back up and having that curiosity to kind of try to figure out if you can't get through the door, how to get through the, to the window, you know, like you need to kind of, they all marry together curiosity, grit, hustle, boldness. They're all just euphemisms for really the same thing.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, is it, but boldness though, can't exist. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if boldness can exist without the curiosity to dig into something. And then when you get to the bottom of it, right? So we could call this knowledge. So I'm searching, I get the answer, and then I'm forced to deal with the answer, right? So am I, do I believe this? Do I think there's another way? But I'm just wondering if, again, a bold person, you don't just decide to be bold, do you?
0: No, you don't decide to be bold, but I would say that curiosity and boldness are like cousins or yes. or, or sister and brother or like in siblings. Sure. And I do think that you don't have to be born bold, but I do believe that boldness is a skill yes. that anybody can learn and cultivate if they want to. And you can get better at it as you practice it. And yeah. that's really the through line and the philosophy that I I write about, that I talk about, that I truly believe. Um, and I think what happens a lot of times is that people think you're either born bold or, or you're not. And then they make that, they make that line in the sand, like, yeah. well, I'm not born bold. So therefore I can't do X and Y and Z. But if I, if I think that people have to understand that anybody can get better at being bold and chasing what they want, not just taking what they get by harnessing that as you would anything else. Like if you want to be good at Spanish karate, whatever it is, you need to practice it and work it just how you would any other thing, any other skill. And I think that boldness falls right into that. Yeah. And it's a muscle. Like you have to, the second that you stop working at it, it will atrophy.
1: Yeah. And what I've learned, you know, from counseling over 5,000 people live on the air is there's always something behind the question. There's always something mm-hmm. deeper. And the same is true for true passion, you know, which is uh, to be interpreted the true root of the word is to suffer. You're willing to suffer through waiting, suffer through uh, pain. If it's working out to lose weight or to, to stop eating chips at 10 o'clock at night, I mean, that's all some form of suffering. But uh, there's always something behind interest or desire or passion. And I'm wondering from your experience or your environment growing up, is there something that sticks out in your mind that makes boldness matter so much to you? Cause I I'm going to hear, I'm going to have you share some of your story a little bit later that you've had to be bold. You still are bold as an adult, certainly as an entrepreneur, but I'm wondering, was there a seed? Was there an experience? Was there an environment that maybe makes you care more about this message?
0: Well, I think that, yeah. I mean, I think what happened in my life was, you know, I wasn't, I was a really terrible student right? I never Tell me more school. about that. Tell me more. You want to know more? Okay. I, I, I want to know what
1: school. made you a terrible student.
0: I didn't, I, I think that I daydreamed a lot. I was like, I wouldn't like my teachers would always tell my parents, you know, like, you know, is, you know, she's, she's like her head's in the cloud. She's not paying attention. She's a smart girl, but she's kind of like, just don't like, she's just like in her own world type of thing. Right. And, you know, I realized that because I was such a terrible student, the things that I liked, I would be, I would focus. If anything, I focused on that I liked, I would tend to do better at, like of anybody course. in life, sure. right? But I think that what happens is that when you are a bad student or bad at something, you have to learn, or when you feel average, you have to learn to figure out be- ways to be resourceful in other ways, right? So if like you know, if you're like if you you're not good at something, you'll find something else to kind of like balance it out. So I. I learned to be pretty resourceful, and what I learned also with that was, in the in the vein of being curious, like we were talking about earlier, asking a lot of questions. So I would ask a lot, and I learned that when I asked for something, um, more often than not, I would like actually get pretty successful with it. Like I would get what I was asking for, I'd get closer to what it was, or I'd have to figure things out. So when I was younger, I always I always loved music. Like my head would be in the clouds thinking about like music, artists. Like I was very much into that. And I really at the time really wanted to be like a, a VJ for much music. And so I thought that would be my dream job. I didn't think it required school, which was really good for me, right? So I could just not have knowledge of music and just talk about artists and that would be great. And so I I figured at that time, Keanu Reeves was in town doing a play he came to a small town where I was living to practice his chops and acting and I figured this was my chance to ask him to be my demo tape so then I can like send it into much music and then I can have my dream job as being this like VJ and I told my friends and my family and they're like how audacious of you how crazy like why would you think that this huge movie star will help you get your dream job because you ask for it or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, like, why not me? And what happened was uh, Winnipeg is very cold and I waited outside of uh, the theater where he was for like an hour. It was like minus 45 degrees. And he finally came out, right? And I, I like wiggled my way into the crowd and tapped him on the shoulder. And I, I, I basically very boldly asked him to help me with the demo tapes that I'm really I'm, I love music. I want this job. I want to I, I, I really feel like I'll have a chance, a shot at this possibility if you're on my demo tape, Keanu Reeves. And he looked at me so like confused, you know, like yeah. everyone's grabbing at him and everything else. And he basically said, give me your give me your number. I'll call you. I don't know what you're talking about, but you can explain it to me later. And I was like giving him a hard time. I'm like, what do you mean you're going to call me? You're not going to call me. You know, you're just telling me that. So I run away and you don't never have to see me again. He's like, just give me your phone number. I didn't even have paper and pen. So I just wrote my my phone number on a gum wrapper that some girl gave me her eyeliner you know and i wrote my number on the on the wow. on the trident piece of paper or like gum wrapper gave it to him went back to school remember i was 17 years old at this yeah. time i was really young and everyone laughed at me i was basically laughed like i was like a pariah like everyone was like oh yeah can't you ah, 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 you know for for 3 days and then he eventually called me cut 2 comes to my house my mom makes him lunch he becomes my demo tape i send in the demo tape you know i get my audition you got to watch the ted talk to find out what happens but basically the reason why i'm telling you this story is that that to me was a very pivotal moment in my life right because i thought of something i asked i was bold i i was audacious and you know that kind of proved to me that you know what you don't really have to be smart To get what you want but you have to be bold and you have to make the ask and you got to put yourself out there even if you don't succeed right and so from that moment on as a young girl i learned a very that valuable lesson of you know not overthinking not listening to people who are naysayers and just going after it for good or for bad and from that moment on i kept on working that bold muscle and You know, it it served me well because I, you know, because at a very young age, I thought because I was a bad student that I was, you know, basically counting myself out, you know, like, oh, I'm not, you know, academically, I'm not great at math. I'm not great at chemistry. So therefore, I'm going to be a total loser when the reality is like that's one type of intelligence when there's so many other types of intel. You could be emotionally intelligent, street smart, all these other things that I never really put value on until that moment.
1: Did you go to higher education? Did you go to four year college or university? Yeah, and
0: funnily enough, I have an MBA, I have an undergraduate degree in psychology, and I have an um, I have a master's in business, even though I'm a horrible student.
1: Wow. Very interesting. I am a little bit surprised to hear that. I mean I know yeah. you to be very, very smart, of course, but I was wondering what that path looked like. So let's pick up there. So you go, you go to university You get the MBA, do you do it consecutively? Does it just kind of roll right through?
0: So it's interesting because uh, my background where I'm like my, I grew up in a culture um, where education is such an important piece of our life, right? Like it's like unheard of for people. Like if you're not a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant, I'm Jewish, then like you might as well, like it's like you're making – like you're, you're a nothing in my in my culture right like education is so important right um so that was like drilled into me at a very young age even though i was a horrible student but i persevered like i went to undergrad and the reality is i i what i relied on was my memory because i had a really good memory mm-hmm. so i was able to memorize really well i don't know how much i retained to be honest but i was able to use my memory and my people skills and my street smarts to help get other people to help me with things I was bad at to get me through Yeah. Uh, college. Right? Sounds like, like great leadership. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. So, But that's what it's about in life, right? Like, yeah. You don't have to be great at everything, no. but you surround yourself with people who are better than you.
1: You just described success in one of the most simple, but profound sentences of all time. You know what? I use this that I was good at. I use this And then I connected with people who were good at things I sucked at, and I got through. That to me is success.
0: It's true. Can I tell you something? You know, you know, I interview some of the most extraordinarily successful people in the world. Really, like every like people that every the people the biggest people in the world, biggest entrepreneurs, biggest everything. And the through line that I've noticed is that these some of these people. They're not so smart. They're no. actually like in real life. You're like, oh my God, this person is running that. Like you're shocked. You're like, oh my God, they're so, they're so below true. mediocre. So they're true. Like, like below mediocre.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm like, how is, in my head, I'm like smile. I'm like, how is this possible? But I know how it's possible. And they say it's like. I'm not that smart, but I'm smart enough to put myself in the room and surround myself with a team of people who are much better than me and much smarter than me that make me look good. And that humility at least is, some of them don't have that humility, but some do, but uh, is the actual, that is the hard truth of what success really is. There's no, there's no such thing to me as self-made. Nobody I know is just, I did it all on my own because I'm so smart and I have all the talent. No, it doesn't work that way.
1: Yeah. And I can't wait to get into that with you. But first I want to, so when do you get into this entrepreneurial mode? Because I mean, you've had like these very interesting, I've studied your journey and it's kind of been a really fun roller coaster ride, you know? I mean, it really has. (laughs)
0: It's it, funny if it's like, it would be a weird Warshaw. It was a personality test or shock test where you're looking. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's uh-huh. like very zigzagged-y. Um And I, I think that that is true. I feel like if anyone were to say, what do you do? Which I'm sure I get asked that every day. I still have no idea how to, what to, what to say to that. Cause that question like really kind of like freaks me out because I don't know what I I do, but I do know this. I know that when I am interested in something, I act. I don't overthink it and I figure things out as I go. And that's been my best. That's my one of my best uh, success tips or learning tools to give people. It's like, don't overthink something. That's right. Because you could right because you will outthink your you'll overthink yourself to an analysis paralysis or a place where you just won't do anything. Yeah. So what's what I, so I feel like I became very entrepreneurial because I didn't allow somebody else's parameters of what I am define what I'm going to do next. So I never worked in that, that box that people tend to do. Right. Like, you know, for many, many years, you know, I was in the music world. You're right. But that didn't stop me from. Saying bye to the music world and then becoming a health and fitness person, and then for my whole almost my whole career, people pigeonholed me as a fitness person. But that didn't stop me from creating a a, a fitness app, which is a tech technology company, which then I sold to Weight Watchers. I never let boxes and parameters stunt my growth.
1: Yeah, I don't want to ask you other- about that. Too, yeah. So you talk about the community that you grew up in. And I'm wondering, what did you face when you go get the MBA? You come out of that, and you go into the music world, and then you kind of this entrepreneurial, like, "Hey, I'm feeling this." I go here. Did you ever face any pressures from family and friends from that community? And how'd you deal with that?
0: I did. Like, remember, like what I said earlier was, um, I think that couple things. I think that because I never became a doctor or a lawyer and my, my parents never expected me to because of my marks, my, my grades. Um, and I think that they kind of were, it's different. Like I think that my, my mom just wanted me to have a family, right? Like she didn't understand where all my drive or entrepreneurial, you know, interests where she still to this day has no idea by the way, what I'm doing and how I do it. But you know, like her whole thing is just, can't you just get married and have that family? Right. Yeah. You know, it's all she cares. about. She wants grandbabies.
1: You know? Yeah, I get it. Yeah.
0: Right. She's not interested even to this day, what she's got, you know, I can say, mom, I'm on the cover of Forbes. She's like, okay. And what, what's for supper? What do what you, what are you serving right. for dinner to Dylan? You know what I mean? <laughs> she could care less, you know, like that's not even a, a thing. Um, and so I feel like I was kind of, I was kind of always the, the black sheep, not just of my family, but of my community, right? Cause I always had, I always walked a different path. I never let again, uh, whatever my environment was define where my ceiling was going to be. So because of that, you tend to walk alone a lot, right? Like it was maybe a little lonely, I guess, when it, growing up, because I was kind of paving my own path for myself and not really, uh, similar, uh, interest wise to a lot of people I grew up with, but it didn't stop me. And so to me, it's just like, I kind of, it didn't, I I had to kind of learn very early on not to be that affected by what other people view me or want for me and And to me, that exactly, it is a huge,
1: I I don't want, and I'm interrupting because I don't want our audience to miss this because I think that is one of the biggest hurdles that people face to real progress, to live on purpose is they care more about what other people think or might say than what they believe about themselves. That's it. it, It's crazy, And you were just kind of like, I don't care. This is, this is Jen's world. And I'm enjoying it. I'm going to go do it. And I think that is enormous. To somebody who doesn't have maybe that dose of confidence and march to the drumbeat that you did, what advice would you give to people who don't have that right there? They care a little too much and they're willing to say right now, they're going, okay, I care too much about what other people think and say. I care way more about it than I I do about what my own heart says. What would you say to them if you were coaching them up real quick? What would you say?
0: I'll say, I would say a couple things. Number one, the people that are judging you the most, like they're not even paying attention. Most people don't even pay that much attention. They pay attention to you on the surface level, right? Like, oh, this per. But at, at the end of the day, people are way too concerned with themselves to even care about you. That's so, so good. You know I, what? I'm like, just going to tell you, true. that's so true. One hundred percent. Like maybe if your name comes up in conversation or they see you passing, they'll be, they'll have like a judgment call. But then three minutes later, they're on to like themselves. They're yep. too busy criticizing and critiquing themselves than than even like paying that much attention to you. And the other truth of the matter is like, you know, what I never understand when people look for advice from people who've never done it before. You know, like yes. they're like they're, they're basically saying to somebody else who's ne- never walked that path, done that thing. What do you think? I want to do. I want to do this. And then you're asking someone who's never done it what their opinion is. And then you're going to base what you're doing based on that that opinion that is completely, you know, Come null on. of any so ex- experience. So it's to me, I was a very cognizant of who I look to for advice and for, you know, real talk, right? I call this like building your bold of directors. Build a team of people around you yeah. who, who basically build you up and want you to win and you are like-minded with. That can get you really far in life. The other thing about the self-confidence, if you don't have the self-confidence, that was the part of the question that you asked me initially. How do you build it up so then you don't give it, you know, you don't care what other people think? And the way I see this as is the following is that the best way really to build true self-confidence and true self-esteem, not nonsense external stuff, is that when you make a commitment to yourself and then follow through on that commitment, that builds true self-confidence. You know what builds lack of self-confidence and self-doubt is when you tell yourself to you tell yourself like, you know what, I'm just making up this example, Ken, but I'm going to wake up seven o'clock in the morning tomorrow and I'm going to go to the gym for 30 minutes. And guess what? Seven o'clock sh- comes back, comes the next day and you hit that snooze button and you, your commitment that you made to yourself is now out the door, out the window. That to me, like chips away at that, at that belief system of you, you know, cause you can't rely on yourself. If you can't rely on yourself to make a commitment, then like, how can you rely on anybody else? Right. So if you make these small little commitments to yourself, follow through, no matter how big they are, how small they are, and those accumulate and compound over time, where that helps build your self-confidence and your sense of self-worth yeah. to me. And I always did that. I always followed through. I'm a person that really believes if you're going to say something, do what you say and say what you do for not just other people, but for yourself. Yeah. And that takes you a long way also.
1: It does. One of the things that I admire most about you is that you're great at starting something and growing something and I want to know what the journey was like when you went from the music industry into the exercise fitness you know health side of things because you really built something from scratch and I there here's the context of why I ask you this I'm going to let you just go and just teach and coach because you're really really an expert on this part for sure so many Americans want to start a business. I think the numbers like in the 70s, 70% plus people want to start a business, want to work for themselves. But the numbers of people that are actually do it are about 6%. So you've got this enormous gap from desire to work for myself, which I think is really about autonomy and freedom, and then the amount of people who actually step into it. And so that's why I'm teeing you up because It's fascinating to me that the desire is so high, but the doing is so low. How did you start? I mean, I want you to just take me back. The idea to, okay, I'm going to do it. I want to know what you did. I want to hear the early days of that transition.
0: Well, I will tell you that I never knew. I mean, this may not be the answer you want, but I never knew at the starting point where it was going to lead me,
1: right? All I, I, I don't think that is, matters, but you I, just I, I were like, it, oh. I got to do this. Yeah. So what is, led I, to that?
0: I, I think that I'm an impulsive, per- I, again, I'm a very impulsive person. I really relied on my being bold versus yeah. me being smart to, to, to use moment basically to push me to action. So that's what happened. Like I had some I in both things, like when I was in the music world, I really wanted to be, I had a desire to be in the music world because I liked music. Right. right? And then once that kind of started to wane because everything started to change in the music world, I'm also was I was also here on a visa because I was Canadian. I got a job offer here in the US. I I always loved health and fitness. I always that to me was a very big Pillar in my life for my success. I believe it to be true. Right. Because exercise and fitness all taught me early on about goal setting and patience and and all sorts of other things, like discipline, blah, blah, blah. And when I decided, you know what? Like I came here, I was in the US. I needed to make money, number one. That was a driver for me. I was leaving the music world. I wasn't here legally if I was not working for a company, right? Like if I wasn't working for Sony at the time, I'd be like, I had to go back to Canada. So I'm like, it was something I did in the meantime. Like I thought, hmm, I like fitness. I'm going to use this as like a kind of a bridge until I figure out what I want to do next.
1: So did you go work for a gym or did you start your own thing?
0: So so what happened was I was leaving the label I was working at and I'm like, okay, well, I need to make some money. I'm going to become a trainer in the interim until I figure out what I wanted to do. Like, uh, and I went to get my first training certification, right? Like here I am again, I have an MBA, I have a psych. Free. Now I'm gonna become a trainer. My mom and my she's like, What are you doing? You know, I and mean? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, but I have to make money. And so like that's that my whole life has been like this. But this is what you know, this is what how it works in life, right? You can't be like nothing in life is on one road down the road. Right. Everything takes like different tangents. Anyway, like me right now. So then I go and get my <laughs> my certification. And while I was taking this certification and finishing it, I thought to myself, you know what's interesting? I know how the music world works. I know the, how marketing works in that space because that's where I come from. I know how the budgets work. You know, what if I basically become a trainer to the pop artists and the talent on the label because I know how they they have money to spend. These people have to do things to get ready for tours and for music videos. I'm going to go back to the people I know like using my group of people that I already knew and said, you know what, like what if I become a trainer, but for the record labels and get those people ready for stuff as opposed to like going to work at a gym. Right. So I went, right. So I went back to one of my old contacts in the music world, right. Who was like the head of MCA at the time. And I, I asked him for a meeting. I created, I, I got a meeting with the guy and I said to him, listen, I know I'm not, I'm no longer a marketing direct director here, but what, what do you think if me, like I, he's like, you, you know what I, what I did? I want to become a trainer and train all these people who have to get ready for all these shows. And I want to make a retainer. So I'm not capped at like, right. five, you know, $50 an hour or whatever, but you pay me a lump sum every month and. I will train as many people or whoever needs it. And that way I'm getting paid regardless if they show up or not, because these people can be very flaky. So I'm I'm now like controlling that environment. And I basically created an opportunity and a job for myself that wasn't there. The guy thought I was crazy. He was like, why would I hire you? What do you know about being a trainer? Number one, he said to me. Number two, like, we've never done this before. Like, why? Like, Why? And so I said to him, let me do it for a month. You know, pay me really little and you know, let's see what happens. And so he did. He said, Fine, I'll give you a shot for a month. And then that one month turned into two, three, four, twelve and two years. And then that one label turned into two labels, three labels, four labels. And in the next and then by that point, I now was like the trainer to all of these you know, musical people and celebrities and talent, and it was one person. So then I had to hire out of just necessity. Now I had to hire like three other people underneath me. So when I'm at like MCA, someone else is at Def Jam, and then someone else is at EMI or wherever they are. And so they're all working for me, but it wasn't a plan. It was more of me taking transferable skills that I had from some other place and relationships I had from some other place. And then Combining them and creating an opportunity for myself. And that's how I ended up in the fitness business, completely, like not, you know, completely by accident. And they ended up sponsoring me. And so that's how it started. But and then I wrote a book, and then I wrote another book, and then I, you know what I mean. And then, like, then yeah, you
1: figure out, oh, I need company. to do an app, and so it all yeah. begins to just build. By the way, I am surprised the story doesn't include you promising to bring Keanu Reeves to the first workout. I, <laughs> I, 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 it's just unbelievably. It's it, this is why she's really an expert on boldness. I mean, just the fact that you walk in and go, okay, give me a shot, and this is this is the part that it's going to lead me and I've been dying to talk to you about this topic. Okay? She doesn't know what I'm going to ask her. As a father of three teens, as a professional who truly and you you you've spent some time with me, I bleed for people who feel like they're wandering and don't have meaning in their life. It breaks my heart. It just does. It is the human element that I, that, that saddens me the most is when I see people just feel like they don't, they haven't discovered their niche in this big world and realize that they're so unique and wonderful and they got something good they can do. It breaks my heart. And, and, and one of the reasons that I think that I'm seeing in culture is I'm raising kids and I'm just watching the construct that our kids are growing up in. Jen, I'm so concerned about the lack of grit. We just, it, it's like, and it's on parents, by the way, it's on parents, it's on leaders in in these institutions where our kids are going to school and being trained. And I don't know what you think about that because you're a really positive person, but you're also in all of your sunshine exercise, amazing boldness energy. You're pretty gritty. <laughs> Am I right? Yes. And do you share 100%. this concern? I don't mind if you don't. I don't mind pushback. But I see this overwhelming lack of grit among our young people, and it's turning into things like mental health issues at work. When it's not really mental health, it's just a lack of freaking grit.
0: Totally. First of all, you're pushing a button with me. I don't know if you did this on purpose I or not. But I didn't. I didn't know I, what I you talk, were going to say. I do talk about – first of all, a like half of my – not half. I have a whole chapter on this. Well, at sure. First of all, I call – I call it coddle culture. I think we're living in a very coddly culture world where number one, uh, um, I think that there is a participation trophy for everybody. So that doesn't build grit. You know, I come from a different generation like you, which we're like, we're kind of like latchkey kids, right? Right. Like we kind of had to figure things out on our own, Oh yeah. which was right. Which by the way, I think, Worked out way better for us all. It was way more beneficial. Like, look at the people who's coming from our, from our world, like Elon Musk. I can go on and on, right? We're living in a time when everything now is, um, you're triggered. You have this, you have this. Everyone gets a participation trophy. Everyone's insulted easily. God forbid you say this, but it's the environment is not even allowing for people to build resilience. And I find it to be I think it's terrible. Number one, Uh, and I think the onus is on the parents. In in life, there are people who are winners, and there are people who are losers, and people are going to fall. And if you don't teach that at a young age, they become very fragile when they're older, right? right? Like, and I believe that that right, like there is something to be said for being frat, like you know, like having the resilience and the resourcefulness that happens when you when you have to have you have to have that happen versus protecting people to to the point where you know work ethic is a problem and you're not able to you know take it when you fail i mean do you know recently not that recently i should say maybe like a year ago not even i i did a a speaking engagement at uh, MIT, which is MIT is one of the best schools in the You know, MIT is MIT, the best yeah, school well, in the sure. world. And I, it was basically based on, it was called FAIL. It was based on resilience. And the reason being that people who, uh, they have a hot, really high, uh, very, very high suicide rate because of the idea that they, they are not used to failing. They're so, they don't know if when they do fail or when they do fall they don't know how to handle it so they brought in a lot, a lot of people to talk about how it could be how to be more resilient and i found that really really interesting right because sure. part of my success a part of probably your success part of a lot of people's success that actually have had lo- like longevity in their in their career or in their life is that they had to fail they got comfortable with failing And, you know, I don't know, about you, but I have literally a master's in failing, but I have a PhD in getting right back up again and keep on going. Yeah. That's what
1: makes you who you are. You know, you just said something that's profound and, and I've, I've thought about this before, but I never even thought about that MIT dynamic. That's really, really fascinating and really sad because you know, what's here's, here's what happens in, in the American school system. Okay. And I assume it's probably a Western hemisphere thing, but. Our whole lives, Jen, we we get a test back. And what's the first thing that we're conditioned to do? First thing we do, we look at the grade. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing we do is we look for everything that we got wrong. Now that creates so a, true. it creates a mindset to where you're like, what did I get wrong? And it's like, so what happens is, is we start teaching kids, don't fail. Yeah. And so- to your point these MIT kids are the ones that hardly ever get an answer wrong versus you and me i it was a good day if i brought a c plus home you, yeah. know, <laughs> you, you, you know what i mean not because i didn't have the ability my poor dad right. uh, it's that right, i right. i just could only i did good in two subjects english and history and that was because i had overwhelming talent in only one part of my brain and that's you know verbal skills mm-hmm. reading comprehension Whatever. I could do that. Math and science, they should donate my brain to science when I die because it's literally not working at all. I have no syntax, nothing happening on whatever side of the brain that is. Uh, But but you bring up a very good point that when people, their whole life is about getting a test right, getting it perfect, they're in for a really rude awakening in the real world.
0: In the real world, or if that's where you're, you're, you're dominating your, your relevance and your importance, right? Like on that, on that side. But I think there's two things that you're saying. Number one, it's about the idea of like being okay and comfortable with failure. Yeah. Because that's how you learn and that's how you kind of build resilience. Uh, the other thing is you're talking about is like what we as a society focus on, right? Because Kids are doing that because we're they're conditioned to do that by some kind of system, right? Like when my kid comes home from school at 10 years old, he's like, "Mom, I got 100." percent. Like unless he gets 100, percent, he feels like left. He he feels dumb, right? Right? And yeah. and I feel like and I see and I even say to him, I say to him, you know, you should be applauding your effort, not always just the number, because. I don't want him to feel like if he does badly on tests that that makes him less of a smart kid or that worthy of worthy kid right cuz we have to teach and teach and and, and the the uh, young people and or are this generation that there's all different forms of of being bright and you can be you could be whoever you want to be not based on the percentage you get in your grade yeah. because that will build a lot of anxiety overall
1: a hundred percent and you know this great entrepreneurs bust their butt their effort is mm-hmm. unbelievable even up to failure but it is the effort that leads to the failure that gives us the opportunity to learn from the failure and win i mean you think of edison right. and all the great inventors and the amount of times they they failed i mean it's it's a fascinating fascinating study of our culture and and i'm very i'm very nervous uh, about our economy when I see things like 7 million working men, age 25 to 54, are selecting to not work. And I dug into the data, Jen, and it's because they don't feel they've made enough money or achieved enough status. And so they've literally taken their ball and went home, and other people are supporting them. These are dudes, and I don't mind – and I'll be tough on dudes because I can But uh, this is a sad commentary on our society. And it is.
0: I don't and I don't agree with that at all. I think that the workforce as a whole, Um. The. I, I think that there's something to be said about work ethic yeah. also. Right. And tenacity and uh, perseverance and all these things that I feel, you know, we as a society are now being lenient towards like at the end of the day, it is going to be ninety nine percent of it is perspiration and it's hard work and building work ethic. Yeah. That is a lot of what it is. Yeah. That's a whole different conversation, right? Than towards uh, kids feeling that they're, uh, you know, about fail, like, like, for example, people who are not able to feel um, worthy if they're failing. I feel like we have, there's like, there's a disconnect right there that we have to work on just because you're failing doesn't mean that you should give up and take your ball home. It means you got to figure out a different way to get to what your goal is.
1: Right. Well, and, and my time is almost done with you and I want to honor your time, but I do want to set you up because, uh, the book is phenomenal, but to me, the title to me is so on point, this idea of living the life you want, not the life you get. And here, here, here's the setup and I want you to just take it and run with it. So many people in life they don't lead a life. There's an old phrase that says, are you leading the life that you want? And, you know, this idea of I'm intentional, and that's what you're talking about here. And so many people are reactive, not proactive. And and they're just afraid to step out. And again, that gets to the boldness, which you give an incredible recipe for this in the book. Um, What do you think is, because is, is you've written about it extensively, so people need to read a book, but. What do you think it comes down to for someone who gets up to that moment, Jen, of going, okay, this is when I allow myself to see the life I want, but it comes with a price. Why do you think so many people just go, you know what? I'm gonna pull back. I'm not gonna go for it. What 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 do you think is at the at, at the at the root of that?
0: I think at the root of it is self doubt. I think there's fear. Fear of failure, like we just mentioned, fear of rejection, fear of of being not good enough, smart enough, all the enoughs, and so we count ourselves out. We rather take the safe way at versus the maybe the better way, right? Because of where of all of the reasons we can think of, or also overthinking, we think of all the ways we're going to fail versus the. Phrase that you should be thinking, which is why not me? Mm. People who actually end up getting whatever it is they want is because they have the audacity to believe why not them? And people need to have that audacity. And I think, you know, what we end up doing a lot of times is that we acquiesce to what's available and we live this life of good enough versus chasing what we want. And not taking what we get, and in every area of our life. By the way, not just professionally, but personally also. Yeah. Right. We tend to go for a job that's available versus being deliberate of the of the kind of company or the company we want to work at. We sometimes end up dating and marrying a person because they asked us out, not because we actually were interested in them.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Right. We end up like our we end up living this life of just what you said earlier is just kind of like not really being purposeful, but more just reacting to what was in in our, in our purview. So my point and what I try to really, you know, drill down and drill home to people is be deliberate about the kind of life that you want to live, cultivate the life you want to live, be more authentic to who you are by having a moment of reflectiveness and self-awareness and purpose and figuring out where, who you really want to be, what you really want to do and what makes you tick and then designing and curating and creating that life versus a humdrum every day. Okay. I'm going to do this because it was like, it's easier like the end of the day. And it's like either you're going to make a choice or the choice will be made for you in everything. That's right. So, Make the choice for yourself.
1: Yeah. By the way, that's not quiet quitting. What you just described, right?
0: Yeah, that's not. <laughs> I mean, that phrase yeah.
1: drives me bananas because people are just going, "I'm going to accept average. I'm just going to do the bare minimum and deal with the man." Instead of taking control and saying, "Wait a second, wait a second. What if I worked for me? Even if I work for a company, what if I'm working for my success, for my dreams? You know, that's a right. big shift."
0: One hundred percent. Like, listen, I want to say this. I don't think everybody is cut out to be an entrepreneur. That's I think right. That, you know, it's a trend right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but the truth of the matter is, know thyself. If yep. you're not somebody who's so self-motivated, who wants to grind in and out, day in, day, in, day out, you know, the hours, all that other stuff, then that's totally good and fine. But then if you're going to work for somebody or work for a company, be particular, Like if you like sports, and you love basketball, maybe you can work for a basketball team, like be more deliberate in what and who you're, what you're doing with yourself. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's a good word over my shoulder on this shelf is a ball signed by maybe the greatest basketball coach of all time. Coach Mike Krzyzewski from Duke. And I interviewed him many, many years ago and he signed that ball for me. And on the ball, it says, follow your heart. And what you described in your story today is in fact, the advice that he gave me, and I'm sure he's given thousands and thousands of people. You didn't have a grand strategy, but what you had is an awareness of your heart. Music, exercise, helping people, and who knows what's next for you because you're absolutely uh, uh, just a rock star. If you get to meet Jen in person, do it. She has incredible energy, and most of the time, I think, I can't see it on your neck today, but most of the time you have your Wonder Woman necklace on. When I met yes, you, I you told me about the Wonder Woman necklace, and I think it's fun because in some ways you very much are a Wonder Woman, and I'm glad wow. that I know you. Uh, this conversation has been great for me, and I know for my audience as well, and uh, you really are uh, modeling the way, not just for, for young women and women of all ages, but dudes as well. Uh, you do good things because you've done hard things. And for that, I want to say, uh, I admire you and, uh, I'm grateful for your time. Cause I know you're, you're doing a million things and who knows who you're talking to next. So, uh, hanging out with us is a big deal. And I know that. So thanks.
0: Thank you. I had such a great time with you. You know, I, I really, really enjoy you and thank you. And then one day I'm not wearing the necklace. Can you believe it?
1: I didn't think I saw it, so I wanted to call it out because it's one of my, I think it's it's one of the things I thought was most interesting about you because like, it's very intentional.
0: It's very intentional. I mean, it's, it's so on true. Instagram all
1: the time. If you follow her on the gram, you'll see the necklace. So
0: It's 100% true. This is the only day I've not worn it and because I forgot to put it on it's okay. because I was up extra early.
1: I remembered and I brought it to everybody's attention, <laughs> so it's all good. Uh, Jen, you rock. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Ken. It's a
1: pleasure. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jen Cohen. Again, her book is Bigger, Better, Bolder. You can check her out on Instagram as well, The Real Jen Cohen. And if you're enjoying these interviews and the show in general via podcast, would you follow us and give us a five-star review? And then on YouTube, we'd love for you to subscribe and share some of the content. Hey, we'll be back before you know it. Thanks again for tuning in.